damage. Plus four is six. Two plus four is six. Exactly. Twenty-seven. Two plus seven is nine. Nine upside down. Six nine. Johnny got away. Birthday. Dude. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> so, welcome everybody to another week of Ghost in the Scene. Uh, I'm your host, Gio, with my co-host, Rob. How's it going, Rob? No, guys, I'm really excited for this few-part episode that we're about to embark on together. It's been a while since we've done a deep dive into a single uh, piece of work, single piece of evidence. But at this point, it really warrants it. Uh, we need to be jumping back in on those sort of investigations because this is you know, where we started from. This is really uh, everything that we're talking about stems from these movies. So I hope you're all ready because this is going to be a wild roller coaster, uh, something that we can't even fit in a single episode. So uh, buckle up, everyone. Stay tuned, stay in the scene, because yeah. we're going to be coming at you multiple episodes right here. That's right, you motherfuckers. You better, you better have your seatbelts fastened and, and your earbuds nice and saged, because there is some hot flying ghosts that are going to be coming at you. Now, we say this is a ghost-free podcast. Obviously, it is, uh, and it always will be. But the evidence that we are going to show you is so hot that there is a disclaimer. We, we are going to just disclose that the evidence that we are, we are going to be giving you guys, it's nuclear. Um, it could change the history of the world if people listen to us. So we're going to need your help with that. We're going to need you to listen closely uh, because this is two parts. You might have to go back to the first episode after the second one is over because you missed something, and we understand that. So we want to get to uh, the subject at hand, the movie, the film. The Lost Boys. Uh, we teased it a little bit last week, but uh, like we said, we are going full bore. Um, no holds barred. Everybody is on board this, uh, this time. We are not going to pull any punches. And we have found a hell of a lot of evidence to show you guys. So, Rob, do you have any experience with The Lost Boys? Yeah, I mean, first I want to say that you know, this is one of um, the most explosive documentary films that have ever been made, uh, most bold documentary films. And I know that sounds kind of shocking to some people, but that's what it is. This is not a narrative. This isn't some screenplay, something that's made up. This is real life. This is documenting things that have actually happened. Now, some of it was staged before the camera, as things often are. You know, a lot of documentaries that you see actually aren't you know things aren't actually unfolding necessarily naturally sometimes they have to kind of set the scene for you to have it make sense uh you know narrative sense so um yeah i, I understand where why people think that this might be uh you know quote unquote narrative film but in essence it's a documentary and i think that's the first thing that we have to really keep in mind as we head into this journey that this is a documentary film exactly so um 
just everybody remember that this is based on true facts, true stories. It may be dramatized in certain parts. We know that some people are actors, but I think our thesis for this movie is going to be that sometimes actors can play roles and sometimes roles stick with actors. And it's, it's tragic sometimes and sometimes it's miraculous. You have um, the, the beautiful story of how um, John Travolta was in the movie Michael about the angel and he was permanently grafted with wings, with angelic wings. And, and it was the paid by the studio, and he's had them ever since. And it's beautiful. That's a, that's a miracle. But then we have stories about the Corys. And the Corey stories are truly tragedies. These, these two, two men were just wrenched through the ringer back and forth for years, for decades. And they experienced a lot of this pain during the filming of these movies. And and I, I already kind of tease it, movies, not just one. The Lost Boys got even further lost further down the line. But let's get started with the first movie, Rob. So uh, let's get into maybe some of the logistics before we talk about the story itself. We want to talk about when it came out. We want to talk about you know, who were the major players were. And basically, I kind of want to paint a picture for for the listener. The time that this movie came out. So The Lost Boys, when did it come out, Rob? It came out in 1987. Wow. Uh, so, you know, 1987, uh, you know, that was when America was great. Uh, they had the brand new dawn in America. Uh, everyone thought things were going fantastic. But in reality, there was a very dark undercurrent and underbelly that was being completely ignored. Uh, and I think purposely so. There was actually some really um, dark agendas being set up this time. Uh, when they said dawn in America, they were looking at it from the wrong way. It wasn't really dawn. It was dusk. Mm. And it looks the same. It now, looks really similar, but it makes a huge difference. I, I think you're right, but I also think you might be reading Dawn wrong. Um, now, this is kind of a, a little side note, but it, it's going to make so much sense further down the line. Um, so for your listeners uh, who will get rewarded by this, hopefully later on you will understand why I'm saying this. So this was the Dawn right? But not D-A-W. It's D-O-N. Okay? Because this was the year that Lethal Weapon came out. It was directed by a man named Richard Donner. It was a top movie that came out in 1987. And so now, now let's start to connect some dots. Let's really start to connect some dots because on the top list of, of 1987 is also three men and a baby, which we've also talked about. I mean, it's just like if you're looking at an unholy trinity, I mean, that's where, that's where it is. This is where uh, you I start. Mean, just do the math, people. If you go further down, the movie Moonstruck with, with uh, Sherilyn Sarkeesian, 
right? Mm-hmm. Share for, for people who don't know, uninitiated, the uninitiated few. This year was a, such a focused year of not only vampiric energy, but also ghost energy. We have the three men and the baby tie-in, but we have Moonstruck, uh, a movie about the moon, obviously about vampires. We have the Predator came out, okay? Now, you can say that the Predator is about an alien, okay? But I don't believe that. Uh-oh. I don't believe that in the slightest. It was about a fucking vampire. I mean, they may have put that vampire up in makeup, but, you know, I still saw the, the dreads and the fancy beaded bracelets. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's one of Johnny's underlings, for sure. Obviously, there's no getting around that. You you can't put you know you can put lipstick on a pig, but you know it still makes it what it is. You can put alien makeup on a vampire. It's a it's a vampire people. He's still a vampire, even with goopy alien makeup on its stupid face, and that's why we have to talk about the Lost Boys first because this is a movie in 1987 that came out and was very headstrong about its stance on where it was with vampires. Now, you think it's a pro-vampire movie. Well, maybe not. Because there is two actors in this movie who kind of play the role of us, of, of, the, of, the, of the ghost and vampire hunter slash killer. And we're talking about the Frog Brothers. And we're talking about the Feldmans. The, um, the Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. I'm sorry, the Corys. Now, which is, they actually split the Corys up. They're not both one, brothers in the film. Uh, I think, of course. You know, they, like, you'll see a lot of instances in this film. There's some real close brushes uh, with reality. And as I said, this is a documentary film, which it is. But as I said before, they do take certain liberties as well because what they're dealing with is subject that is so sensitive that they have to cover their tracks just just enough, just enough so they don't get themselves into trouble. Mm -hmm. Now, that's the smartest way to do it. That's what makes a movie like this timeless is you you give enough that the casual watcher doesn't see, but it's also enough – that the avid watcher actually starts to pay attention to the clues that they're dropping. And they're subtle clues, but it's enough to make you really kind of scratch your chin and think, what is their stance on on vampires? Is it positive or is it negative? And I think by the end of this series, you'll find out that it, it it's a little complicated. Um, they They do glorify vampires in a way that makes it look pretty badass. Um, but I mean, they're on motorcycles, they're having sex, uh, drinking beer, booze, beer, they're jumping off bridges, uh, wholesome, wholesome fun. And you know, uh, there's a scene where, where they kill a group of people who are partying and, and with the Mohawks and they're, those guys are listening to rock and roll. And you know, our stance on rock and roll, we are an anti rock and roll podcast Rock and roll is the, the music of the devil. And I, I know that vampires are also the underlings of the devil. Um, but the fact that they killed rockers 
it's almost like taking out the trash, the trash taking out the trash, you know? So that's a positive scene in, in my I eyes. I mean, is it like that or is it really are they are they trying to cover their tracks? Is this another instance of them trying to cover up? You know, it's I, I can't quite understand this film. Are they pro-vampire or are they anti-vampire? Like, are they pro-rock and roll or anti-rock and roll? Like, I, like, the vampires are killing the rock and rollers. Is it kind of like a very subtle sort of irony that they're trying to point out uh, within that? Um, you know, are they making fun of the vampires in that way that they would destroy their own kind? It, there's a lot of things that don't quite add up. Well, and, and, and here's, here's where I'm going to kind of jump, jump to the future a little bit. This, this, is, this movie is a documentary. This movie is based on true events. But this movie also inspired an entire universe, an entire subculture. And it also inspired some people to do certain things. And now we are seeing the fruit of their labor. And so I want to talk about how in this movie they kill rockers. They kill rock and roll. Uh, as a kind of uh, metaphor, right? Well, the Hollywood vampires are literally killing rock and roll today, now in 2018. And I'm dating this podcast, but it's it's safe to say that they, they might not play in 2019. Let's hope they don't. Let's hope they stop touring and they can end it. I mean, here. if we're doing our job right, if we're doing our job right, they won't. Absolutely. So let's let's hope and pray that, that we can somehow get them out of 2019 because obviously the nine is, is what I'm most afraid of. Mm. It's an upside down six. So there's a lot of power in that. Uh, wow, that really opened my mind to that too, Gio. I think that's, that's really, uh, I think that's it. They killed rock and roll to create their own rockers, vampire rockers, to really take the power of rock and roll and vampires and put them together, making it just a lethal combination. Absolutely. Um, wow. All you out there, just keep that in mind. Yeah, so when you're listening to your old rock records, just know that there might be a vampire play, be, playing the bass on that because obviously they, they weren't in full bands until recently, Hollywood Vampires, of where it's all fronted by vampires. But you could you could totally believe that there are some vampire session musicians out there still playing the drums and bongos. So let's kind of just quickly overview this movie, because obviously um, there are people that haven't seen it, and we need to spoil this movie for them, or else if, if they if they watch it uninitiated, they could get hurt. So we have to spoil it for them, Rob. Can, can you? Spoil I, I mean, it? I I recently yeah yeah I I definitely so like. In research for this movie, hadn't seen the movie before, and foolishly, I didn't spoil it for them. They are under a spell, and they start, you know, kind of like kissing my neck, and I and they are kind of using their teeth a little bit, and I'm like, whoa, back off! What's going on? And they're like, I I don't know. I just I I just felt an urge to to bite your neck and then i uh, that's what really freaked me out i had to kind of stop the movie right there i was like okay uh i had to go on and spoil the rest of the film because otherwise i could possibly be dead so you heard it right that's there the power rob almost got bit by 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 somebody who 
didn't have the movie spoiled for them. And so that's why we have to spoil this movie for you guys. I, I know you might get angry at us. I Obviously, it's a movie that came out in 1987, so, so fuck you if you're really that angry at us. But it's it has to be done for our safety, for the safety of yourself. Think about you. Think about your neck and protect your neck. The Wu-Tang said it the best, and we might have to talk about the Wu-Tang Clan because um, – that's that's a lot of people. That's a, a a clan of people in in New York. They could be vampires too. I'm not sure. We'll have to look in that a little bit more. But we have the Lost Boys to talk about right now. So, let's talk about this movie. Um, it's about a guy who basically wants to be cool, wants to hang out with the cool guys, mm-hmm. and he does. And they they're like, oh, you want to be cool like us? And he's like, yeah, I do. Well, First, it's important to realize where this is all taking place, because that is very crucial. Uh, this film was made in Santa Cruz, California. Uh, you can translate that to Saint Cru- Cross, Holy Cross. And you think, wait a minute, why would you bring a bunch of vampires to where there's a cross? They, they would burn up. They, they wouldn't be compatible. This is the power of the movie. They take that cross and they turn it upside down. And they set it aflame. And they call this place Santa Carla. Wow. Stripping the cross from the name. So that, that goes to show you right there that this is a very anti-cross movie. Uh, and very pro-vampire. You can't have a vampire filmed in a holy cross. So they remove that. True. Right away. So now we have... So we're going to have to have a tally, guys, of... If you guys believe this is a pro or anti-vampire movie, this is on the con list. Um, they changed the name from Santa Cruz to Santa Carla because they couldn't actually host vampires in a place that had crosses. And I think I think what you said is right. They flipped it upside down, they lit it on fire, and they got to filming. And the filming of this movie, I hear, is notoriously bad toxic there was drinking there was fighting bullying and i i, I don't want to say it but there was probably some blood drinking going on in the the behind the scenes of this movie i mean it, it must have been i mean they do it on camera too this is a documentary like nothing is everything's very forward in this film even if it's subtle and it's slightly changed it's all right there to see Mm-hmm. I don't think most of these people knew they were being filmed because they're so candid with the camera, you know? Um, Kiefer especially. And, and we should talk about Kiefer. Um, so Kiefer Sutherland, he is the son of Donald Sutherland. So before we go any further, the son of Don, D-O-N. Now remember what we were saying earlier, the, the Don... Okay, so mm-hmm. now just just quickly wrap your mind around that, and then wrap your mind around the fact that Donald Sutherland has been in I don't know how many fucking movies. Let's let's check out how many movies he's been in, because I'm guessing he's been in over fifty movies, at least. Um, you know, the Don has. I mean, as as his name would imply, uh, he's been the boss of it all. I mean, he's been he has. Tio, you said fifty. This guy has nearly 
200 wow. acting credits. So That's amazing. And if you think about films and your image being captured, it's like a piece of your soul is being taken away frame by frame, just bit by bit. So this man is practically a walking corpse at this mm. point uh, with no soul um, at all, completely stripped bare. And, you know, that's he's a zombie, essentially. Wow. And his son, of course, has acted in 97. So he's on his way. He is well on his way to acting in as many roles as his father. We really have a dynasty here. We, we have this weird kind of father-son, and who knows what Kiefer's children will bring. But what we know right now is that Donald Sutherland and Kiefer Sutherland together are at almost 300 movies together, which is kind of scary. If, if you think of uh, about it in terms of Donald being, you know, like the magician and Kiefer being his apprentice, and you think about a movie as a spell, right? Movies are incantations. They're long incantations. It's a two-hour spell, but it's still a spell. You're still being put under an illusion. So all of that magic, three, 300 spells... These guys could end the world with a snap of their fingers if they wanted to, but they're not, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a documentary, but like we said, there's some dramatic kind of uh, flares. So like we said, Kiefer's not a not a vampire. Um, he's just he's just not. He he acts like a vampire in this movie because and to his credit, he's a he's a talented actor. He pulls it off very yeah. well, very convincingly. He looks like a vampire. And he sounds like it. He talks like it. I mean, but it's just you could see the human nature in his eyes, the kindness, the gentleness in his eyes. And you know he's not a vampire. You know that there's not the actual blood-sucking intention. And also at this time in 1987, Kiefer is relatively new to the scene. So you can still see the bits of soul still in his eyes. Mm -hmm. and, and, that's, and that's how you know. That's the difference. But you also have to really consider that he is the son of a man who has given his soul up probably like 50 times or 100 times before he was even born. So the, how could you be the son of a soulless father? I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of people out there that, that know this answer. But I, I, I frankly, uh, for Keither's sake, Kiefer's sake, I don't know his personal story, but... I can, I can safely say that I think he rose above his family situation and was able to overcome that and, and make this documentary. Because what he does is, is, is commit to film the perfect archetype of a bad boy vampire. And it's almost like it shows you, it's a roadmap, how to defeat the vampire. And that's where I'm going to give this movie a pro because if you watch the movie, there are scenes where they kill vampires. A am I wrong? They no, and they and it's textbook, really. You're absolutely correct. It's absolutely textbook vampire slain. It's wooden stakes through the heart. Uh, you got holy water. They have a whole bathtub of holy water and garlic in it. 
Wow. So that is just like some really nasty stuff. If you're a vampire, you don't want to go anywhere near it. Um, you know, so it's driving things through the heart and all that stuff. So it really knows its stuff and it is very well versed in vampire lore. Wow. So there we have it. It's, it's truly a, a, a movie that is both good and bad. It has a yin and a yang, a push and a pull. There's stuff for vampires because it shows vampires preying on innocent people. So if I'm a vampire, I'm learning, I'm educating myself on how to do that. But then it shows how to kill a vampire if you're people like us that want to kill vampires. Or at least want to see them go to jail for a long time in, in, in like a holy water prison or something. That'd be kind of nice. Put them on an island and just have all the water around them just be holy water. And they can't hurt anybody. And That's a pretty interesting idea. Thank you. I I just made up uh, that myself. I, I don't know if anybody wants to go in with me. Elon Musk, I know you're doing podcasts. I, I saw you smoke a fat doobie. Um, we're not that cool, but if, if you want to come on our podcast and maybe we could talk about making an island out there in the ocean, maybe have it full of salt, maybe some garlic trees. I don't know if they have garlic trees, but then we can just water, I mean, put holy water around them. I mean, Elon, I mean, you're the ideas guy. And obviously, with as much dope that you smoke, you're, I'm sure you have a whole bunch of ideas that we aren't even touching upon. You're on some mm -hmm. other level here. So uh, come on the show and talk to us about it. I think we can get to some really solid, um, some solid stuff. Some feedback. We, we have a lot of feedback that, to give Elon because I think that they should make garlic trees. And I think he's, he's the guy that we should talk to about it because think about it this way. It's like apples that fall from trees. There's apples everywhere. They're all over the ground. Sometimes people don't even pick them up because, you know, they're a little rotten. They're a little bruised. And they leave them there on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. If that was the same case for garlic, vampires wouldn't be able to walk around with the amount of ease wow. that they do nowadays. So, Elon, think about this. Elon, you could be Elon Garlic Clove, you know, the Johnny Appleseed of garlic. And save the entire history of the world from the vampire scourge just by making garlic trees. I'm just saying. I, I came up with it. It's, uh, it's obviously um, going to be genetic engineering that does it. I'm not going to be able to do it myself. But I think that Elon Musk has the ability to make some phone calls. So go ahead, Elon, smoke your fat doobie. But at the end of the day, make sure that you, uh, you do one for humanity and, and make the garlic trees. So let's get back to the movie because obviously Elon Musk is, is not going to get back to us right now. We, we need to uh, get this to his assistant. We need to get this to his publicist. And this is a much broader picture. I think we need to get back to the details of the subject at hand and why you're listening to the podcast to begin with, which is to really understand the mechanisms of which the Lost Boys is functioning on and you know how it is affecting us and how does it possess people to want to bite each other? Mm -hmm. Yes. How did it happen that you almost got bit? Do you, what scene was it that triggered, do you think, the attack on you? Because this movie has a lot of different kinds of scenes. We, we had talked about how it's positive and it's negative. 
Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, um, whoever you were with could have been possessed by a positive spirit and, and was possibly checking to see if you had a bite and maybe they were yawning and their mouth is open. Mm. Now, we, we don't know. I mean, I, I suppose so. But I mean, the, the bloodlust, Geo, that's something that you cannot hide. Uh, you can see that in a person's eyes. And this person, and you know, for, for privacy's sake, I, will, I won't say their name, but uh, it was there. There was some lust for blood. Oh, my God. Uh, and it, I mean, and it really happened around the time that you know, they were going down to the caves and they were drinking blood out of a, a goblet. Uh, but really, it was, I remember the person kept on saying Jim. They, Jim. Were, they kept on calling me Jim for some reason. I think they were calling me Jim, but I, I was really confused. And I realized they were talking to the picture of Jim Morrison in the film. In the film, in their cave, in the vampire's cave, there is a giant wall-to-wall poster of Jim Morrison hanging there inexplicably it, it's a documentary yeah. so this is this is uh, not a set this isn't a movie set this is p- the documentarians going into a vampire layer mm-hmm. and filming exactly and and so they're talking to this jim as if he's alive as if he's a real person but we know that that's impossible because jim morrison is dead as right? of 1987, yeah, I would. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, he died uh, in 1971. So they say. Wow. Uh-huh. How many years from 71 to 87? That's 16 years. That's one six. That's the one. first one. It's a clue. One, six. And how old was, was, was Jim? He was 27 years old and part of the infamous club of 27-year-olds. The 27 Club. As as we call it. Well, we also have the 24 Club. 24 Club? Oh, the 24 Club, yes, with with James Dean. Oh, James Dean. He died at 24. 2-4. In 55. So we have the, the dual numbers, 5-5. Five, five. That's already significant. And then we have the 2 and the 4. You add that together, and it's 6. There's another one. Now, add up Jim Morrison's 27 to 7, and that's a 9. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Now, think about... What this movie is all about, it's about vampires. Now, it's a documentary, and they can't go into the exact kind of uh, – they can't name names, right? They, they, they... Right. This was before Ghost 2. Yes. So think about it. This is a covert way of, of telling everybody who they're talking about. And I, I don't want to give it away yet because so- – is Jim Morrison a vampire then? Are they talking about him? I mean, that's very obvious to have his picture in there. Exactly. Well, I don't think that Jim... Well, 
I don't want to say that he was or he wasn't. We we haven't investigated him yet, and frankly, we we, we just don't have the ev- the evidence to prove it or disprove it. He was into rock and roll, so we already know that he was, uh, you know, in cahoots with Satan. Yes, and that much is clear. But what we don't know is if he was a vampire, if he had pointy teeth in his mouth. That's what's un- unknown. We we could exhume his body, and we could find that out. But we we want to be a little more investigative with this. We want to be a little more uh, professional. So we're we're gonna do it the old-fashioned way. But we do we do know a few things about Jim Morrison and his ties with rock and roll and how other people have used his music as a kind of launching pad for their own intentions. Now, he has a song, and I believe that if, they, like, like I said earlier, how movies are spells, songs are also spells, and there is a, a spell that he wrote that is so powerful. It is called Break On Through to the Other Side. It's a commandment. It, it, it is commanding you to break on through to the other side. What do you think that means? It sounds like a death cult to me. It sounds like you want to be a ghost. Break on through mm-hmm. to the other side. That's almost like what you did by accident, Rob. When, when you fell through the portal and you were in the ghost dimension. That's You broke on through to the other side. So you, this is like a, a story, a, a song about you, your life. I mean, yeah, although I came back, though. And, and I think what you have to realize is that most people that do break on through to the other side, they don't come back. I was very fortunate to have the community, to have you, uh, to have Mark and all the other, you know, ghost community and street team out there fighting for me. Uh, you know, I, I owe my life to you all. And I'm internally grateful for that. But I think on the flip side of that, we must realize that most people are not that lucky. And most people don't make it back. Most people only break on through to the other side one time. And we have to really consider that maybe Jim was forcing people or, or, you know, wrote this with the intention of getting more people to die, to break on Mm -hmm. through to the other side, to see Mm -hmm. and to become a ghost. Um, So obviously, like you said, he's a ghost. He's a cultist. He, a rock and roller. He's 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 a he's a fucking rock and roller. He's a he pulled his dick out on stage one time. He he was so fucked up. So he's a guy who who uses his sexuality. He's spiritual. He has all this poetry. It's it's chaotic, and he died early. So it sounds vampiric to me. It does. I I I I'm I'm afraid to say it, but. What I'll say is this, regardless, I don't care if he was a vampire or not. I'm not going to take the stance because the Jim Morrison fan uh, base, they'll kill me. They'll eat me alive. So I'll say this. As a vampire would. Well, you got me, you got me on that one. But yes, I, I, I'm not afraid to say that I'm afraid. Okay, Rob? I'm not afraid to say that I'm afraid. So what I'll say is, that Jim Morrison inspired the vampire culture, the vampire way of life, the transient poet who's 
a little dark into the occult who who kind of has dreaded hair who you know has long flowy shirts who breaks on through to the other side all of this and then you think he has a song called LA woman now where's hollywood guys for, would... for for everybody in uh the not not in the US hollywood where where is it rob I mean, you gotta you gotta look at a globe, and you gotta look at it pretty carefully to figure out where where Hollywood is. You know, it's uh, Tinseltown, another name. You know, it's a magical place. You might think that it might be on some remote island or uh, in outer space, even. Not so. No, it's not so at all. It's actually not too far from where you are, Geo. It's in your neck of the woods. It's down in Southern California. In a place called Los Angeles. Los Angeles, like the song L.A. Woman? Like what he, he was writing about in the song L.A. Woman? He was talking about the ladies of Hollywood. And I mean, it's right there. If, you, if you, you go back to the idea that a song is a spell, this is a spell that is asking, that is demanding, commanding women to move to Los Angeles. Why? city of angels if you were exactly and yet this is almost like the santa cruz santa clara situation carla. Where people santa carla exactly people have have debased los angeles uh los angeles and they call it la la and it's not the same it's like taking the cross and flipping it upside down and lighting it on fire. So exactly. now you also see... think if this is like, like, like Sherilyn Sarkeesian and all the other phonies that we're talking about there. This is the exact, you can do the exact same thing with places, uh, with anything that has a name to it. So LA is the same is the, is to Los Angeles as Cher is to Sherilyn Sarkeesian. Exactly. L.A. It's all connected. People. Actual person as an actual entity. That's what we're talking about. And the documentary series, The Lost Boys, because like we said, this is a two-parter. Lost Boys one and two. The documentarians went back for more, and they they mined as deep as they could. And let me tell you, I think two is better in a lot of respects because I think it shows you the more gritty side. Of vampires and we'll we'll get to that but i feel like we've barely even cracked the surface on uh, on this movie and yet um there's just so much more to go into we we haven't even talked about uh, the main guy michael how how i believe that, that we are michael um do you know about this character michael he's the, it's one, the main character he's the one who gets seduced and um, in the end, what what happens to him, Rob? I mean, uh, for, so spoiler. I mean, he break he his the spell is lifted from Michael, um, but I don't think he's ever the same again. Uh, you can't just turn around from this experience. You're you're scarred from life. He lived the vampire lifestyle. He drank blood. He never killed anyone. He never drank uh, directly from the warm blood of a of a of a human being, uh, but he was close. 
and he he, he partied with the vampires uh and it really is a mark. There's a lot to go into that. It's all the characters, too. Uh, this is the first time that the Corys uh, have ever met. Corey Haim and Corey Feldman met on the set of this film. And that is such an important bond, such an important... And everything that we're talking about, it really is signifies a lot of the abuse of vampires on sets and there's a lot to to go into there so we're going to be talking more about that um and really who this film is really all about there is there's too much to go on to one episode so please stay tuned there's so much yeah. more that we're going to be talking about and uncovering uh we're stay tuned we'll we're going to be we're we're trying to uh fly in some special guests uh you know we can't quite guarantee because this is like we said, this is nuclear material. Uh, there are people that still do not want this information out there. Mm-hmm. So we're doing our best to covertly uh, bring in the special guests because that's what's really going to make the difference here because you deserve to hear that. Uh, and it's, the truth needs to be told. It's time. Yeah, not only that, but the, 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 the guests that we have on, they have to go through rigorous training. Like we said, the sensitive material that we have uh, cannot be heard by the uninitiated. They have to know and be debriefed with what's going on or else their brains could melt in their ears. We don't want that for anybody. So hopefully um, you guys can share this with a friend and that way they are aware of this so that later on, episodes later, they hear a nugget of truth. I don't want their, you know, to have a brain aneurysm. I don't want them to die from too much truth. And I think that our podcast is kind of teetering on the edge of that. We, we do give out some information that is just so hot and nuclear. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid for some, some of the people out there that just don't know what they're listening to. But um, I, I would say stay in the scene, guys. Uh, take it easy till next week. Study up on your vampire lore because we're not going to sugarcoat it. It's going to get really intense, really wordy. A lot of definitions are going to be flying past you, so get ready for that, guys. Yeah, and stay extreme. Be vigilant. Uh, carry around holy water with you, especially if you're listening to this podcast. You might be targeted by vampires yourself. Like you said, the, this podcast is safe. It's audio sage, but we can't guarantee what's going to happen uh, to you in the world out there after this. But it's a great responsibility. This isn't to scare you. Uh, it's just to make you aware, make you more prepared. That's what we're trying to do here. We're Try to make you more prepared for the world that is really out there. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, take care, guys, and we'll see you for the second part of our Lost Boys. Um, who knows how long we're going to go into the Lost Boys, but I, I can see it at least two or three. We have a lot of material. And we're going to go until we uncover everything that there is in this. So stick on. It's going to be a crazy ride. Uh, and we hope to have you with us the whole time. All right. Take care.